The Startup to Scale-Up Game Plan is brought to you by Alpina Search, Europe's premier talent search firm, dedicated to helping technology startups and scale-ups recruit high-impact executives. Now over to your host, Gary Riemann. I'm delighted to welcome Sven Lackinger to this week's podcast. Sven's the co-founder and CEO at Sastrify, who've raised $23 million from major VCs like HV Capital and Firstmark. Sastrify sell their SaaS procurement solution to companies like West Wing, Clio, and Ambos. So Sven, welcome to the Startup to Scale Up Game Plan. Thanks for having me, Gary. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Now, Sastrify is your second startup. You've already had one exit with Evo Park. How and why did you become a tech entrepreneur? Well, in the end, I think for us, it was really building something that was most fun. So we, we started our first business, which was, which was in the glorious space of parking. We actually started right out of university. So it was four of us. And we basically started with okay, let's see how far we can take this. And uh, I think we had like three months that we could still finance ourselves when we when we graduated from university. And then up from there, I think we, we continued to do that for almost six years. It's been quite a journey until then finally we, we exited the business in 2018, stayed on board for another two years. And then in 2020, it was for us, yeah, time to look for something new. And what was it like when you had those two years in a corporate life? Did that remind you of why you so passionately wanted to be an entrepreneur in the first place? Well, it's definitely a change of scenery, I can tell you that. Luckily enough, I think the the company that bought us was like one of those very successful hidden champions in, in Germany. And they were very entrepreneurial from a like company structure, even though it's a large company of like 4,000 people. They were still like led, family-owned, fifth generations are very entrepreneurial in a sense. So that was, I'd say it was kind of like best of both worlds in a sense. But obviously, I always say if, you, if you've done it once in a startup environment and if you've been a founder once, it's very hard to yeah, integrate in any other situation again um, and not do it again. So I think it was definitely, yeah, for, for a limited period of time. And is it the same team behind Sastrify? Yeah, so the, uh, behind EvoPark, it was four of us. Um, and then one of our major learnings was actually that four founders might be a bit too much because uh, it's, so basically it's not because we, so we still get along very well, actually lived together with the other two guys for yeah almost until mid of last year. And then we basically split two and two. So the two other ones are doing a new startup and Max and myself are doing Sasquatch for now because it's, yeah, we, we basically saw that uh, it's just way more efficient to have two founders and then get experts for all the, the C-levels and VP roles that you need. That makes sense. And what was the thinking behind Sastrify or the problem that you uncovered that you wanted to address? So I think it was for us a nice mixture, first of all, because Max was our CTO at, at Evo Park. I was more on the commercial and financial side. So we always had this back and forth of him buying software me running after him and, and chasing him on why we need stuff and what to pay for. And at the same time, we saw it at the company that bought us on a much bigger scale that they started like buying more and more software as a service solutions. So we thought, hey, there might be something there. Eventually, they will run in the same problems we knew from our like smaller startup setup, but they will run into them on a much bigger scale. So what to choose from, what to pay for, which kind of software, what's the right price there, up to 
what do we actually have and who's responsible for it? So that whole life cycle of SaaS in a sense, that's what we wanted to build into one platform to, to streamline that process for companies. And you already have over 60 employees or SASTronauts, as I believe you call them, in 15 countries. And you launched as a remote first business in the early days of the pandemic. Would you have done that even if there'd been no pandemic? Yeah, that's a very good question. I can't, I can't even answer for myself. I think it was definitely the pandemic was a driver. So we onboarded the first four or six people in October and November 2020, which was basically beginning of the second lockdown in, in Germany, which basically led us to there's absolutely no point in getting an office. And even though we were all still around like Cologne area, it was like, yeah, let's work from home. And then that worked out quite well. So we actually experimented with it. Like we took, even when we had the first couple of weeks, we, we still had some sort of location where we met. We took like most days uh, remote already. And then, yeah, the team just started growing over time. And we had somebody joining us from Berlin and then somebody from Spain. And then in the end, uh, there was just no way back. And it has turned out so well for us that we said, okay, let's let's maybe just keep it that way. And from the beginning, were you hiring people as employees in each country or as permanent contractors? So we used, luckily enough, and I guess that was also fueled by the pandemic, there's now, I think, like probably 15 different players that provide this sort of services on the platform where you can basically employ people via employee uh, employers of record. So typically we do that in order to be compliant with any like labor laws and everything in the, in the respective country. And then we have also some freelance agreements around the world. But most of our colleagues are actually part of some sort of like employee of record agreement. Okay. So you've used one of these uh, platforms that have been uh, launching over the last few years to help startups and scale-ups. Exactly. Yeah, we, we've tried several. <laughs> okay. So beyond the kind of legal side of how and where do you technically employ uh, a new hire? What have been the biggest challenges of building a fully remote team? I think, first of all, for us, it was just super beneficial because we, we really saw like super interesting profiles coming in from locations we'd never thought about. So one of our first developers is actually based in, in Lagos, Nigeria, and he's been with us almost from day one. Today, we've never met in person, so we're going to try to change that in the next couple of, uh, actually, in two months from now. So that was kind of like for us, so finding talent everywhere and being able to employ them, I think that was the that was a big advantage, obviously. In terms of challenges, I think it was for us to become that sort of way more asynchronous organization and basically documenting more stuff instead of having like synchronous meetings. I think that was a big one, especially now with also people in different time zones. And then the second biggest topic for us was obviously building the culture. So how do you define what Sestrify is about, what it's like to work at Sestrify if nobody has ever met before? And I think there it's like, uh, I think we, we invest a lot of time in hiring and like do a lot of talks and a lot of interviews with the people. And then we also invest a lot of time in, in cultural events. I think that's also kind of fueled by the pandemic. So being it, uh, we, we do a Friday checkout session um, all together with weekend plans or every month we have Sestry virtuals. So we basically play games together online or just, we had even people like meeting in the evenings for playing chess against each other across the globe. And that was kind of interesting. So basically a lot of those, yeah, personal interactions also happen virtually. I think that would probably not have been as 
normal before the pandemic, but it turns out it works really well for us. And you basically build friendships yeah, across various time zones and countries, which was just uh, super astonishing also, also for myself. You've scaled so quickly. Um, if you were onboarding your first hires in, say, October 2020, and you're now, you know, it's early March 2022, and you're now 60, 70 employees. So how has the business evolved in these two years of hyper growth in terms of processes and, and culture? We actually, I think I checked yesterday. So with everybody coming now this month and next month, I think we're 87. It's still going strong on that front. I think for, for us, what, what has really changed over time was, was super important to get processes in HR early on. So one of our actually first hires, I think like within the first 10, 12 people was a very, very dedicated HR manager. And she's basically, hand, like she started as a, as a one-man team, a one-woman team in that sense, and basically helping out everybody to achieve their best. So getting them the equipment, getting like culture events going on and stuff like that. And by today, we have four, five people in HR that just do that and support the team. And I think that's kind of like, so always reiterating on what artifacts do we need? What meetings make sense? We now reach the top uh, with planning an, an all-team offsite in May this year. Uh, so we're going to fly everybody in to meet from all around the world. So that's going to be like the first yeah, really big event that also to, to foster our culture there. In Germany or somewhere more exotic? Lisbon. Okay. So Portugal it's going to be. Yeah. That time of year, Lisbon should be absolutely stunning. So I'm sure everyone will be looking forward to that. Okay. And you talked about getting everyone to perform at their best. And you talked about the traditional you know, things that HR teams can do and also some of the some of the new things you've tried because of the virtual environment. But on top of all of that, we have some, shall we say, unique combinations of, of stresses these days. We're slowly emerging from the pandemic and rapidly descending into a, a war in Europe. So uh, are you or any of your team struggling psychologically or emotionally? And, and if so, what kind of support have you been able to extend to, to the wider team? That's a very good point because I think that's also what we are most conscious about is obviously the everything that's going on in the world right now, which is putting like another, like on top of your daily business workload, like another pressure on, on, on our team. That's That's one big one. And then there's just the, the general setup of being at home, having one Zoom meeting after the other. For example, I'm, I'm quite lucky. I'm basically working in one room with my girlfriend who's in a totally different company that kind of gives me some company here. But obviously, that's not true for everyone. So that loneliness that might emerge at one point together with the pressure in work and the pressure in uh, obviously the, the, yeah, the, the, the difficulties in the high growth startup that everybody works too much. And then now this this geopolitical and, and pandemic situation, um, I think the the whole topic of burnout and how to prevent that on the on a company wide level is one that we spent quite some time on. We still haven't figured it out yet, so I think it's a lot about being transparent about it and and sharing about it. Also, if I'm having a bad day, basically making that open to to other people in the company as well to also get other people to open up. Um, and we're now evaluating like different sorts of what kind of mental health 
benefits or also like support can we give to to the team? Because that's obviously something that's probably I think the biggest risk. Because for culture, I think we, we're quite good. For performance, we're very good. But for that, how to not burn out your team when they're sitting at home, partially alone or, or in different situations with that, with everything that's going on right now, that's I think one of the biggest challenges that we face. Have you considered the idea of bringing in uh, an in-house, a dedicated psychologist to kind of help the team, like they uh, did on that show? I don't know if you've seen that that show, uh, Billions. There's a kind of psychologist who helps people to be their best to handle their stresses and anxieties and so on. I don't know if the Bobby Axelrod culture would be the right one for us, but it's actually, it's an interesting question. So we've not thought about it in that sense of really bringing somebody in for that, more in like obviously out, outside solutions. But I think it's actually worth considering, at the, especially once you grow, that will be something in a remote organization that would be super uh, super important. We're actually also hiring somebody as a remote manager right now, just taking care of how the remote workplace should look like, which also obviously entails that whole part of mental health. Yeah. And do you have anyone in the areas directly affected, the countries directly affected by the war? So anyone based in Russia or Ukraine? So we have colleagues from Russia, luckily to say living in Germany. We have unfortunately one colleague that should join us next week who lives in eastern ukraine so we're doing our best to like as he's male he's also not allowed to leave the country so there's not a lot that we can do in a sense instead of like just helping him as much as possible financially and and in any other way and trying uh, basically to, to offer him to to help his family so long story short i think so far fortunately i have to say we, we're not that much affected by it but we also have like a lot of uh, friends and customers and obviously friends, team members have friends there. The whole company, I'd say, is, is still uh, quite in a not, not so happy mood about that whole situation. Yeah. And not surprised to hear that. That's the case with pretty much everyone I've been speaking to over the last, last couple of weeks. Let's try and look forward with a bit more optimism beyond the pandemic and beyond the Russia-Ukraine war. What's your vision for Sastrify for the next four to five years? I think the general, and that's um, the general thought behind what we do is that most modern companies exist uh, or consist in a way of people and software. That's kind of like if you look at the Googles of this world or Facebooks, it's mostly people and software. And so there's obviously a lot of stuff that manages people like the software HR recruiting systems whatsoever, but there's basically nothing that manages that whole software stack. And we want to be that that part. So we want to manage software stacks of yeah large companies and basically always be able to provide you the right set of software at the right time, at the right price. And that's what we're working towards. So Max once called it an, an Amazon-like buying experience for software. So we have everything on one platform you can choose the right one. You can buy it there. You can maybe even finance or pay for it there. That's kind of like the way we want to go for it, which means for Sastrify ourselves, I guess in the next next yeah, four to five years, becoming a truly global company. So increasing our presence in the US, in Asia, in LATAM. Now that we're quite strong in Europe, but also building the platform to that customer experience for our customers. Are you creating an a new product category or are you going head to head with some serious competitors? Well, there's obviously a couple of other companies in our market or adjacent competitors. 
because I think that the whole topic of how do we manage software and enterprises is a quite dominant one at the moment, also a bit fueled by the pandemic. In the end, still, I think the two biggest competitors and ourselves, we serve not even a thousand clients in the world right now altogether. So there should be a couple more companies that need what we do. So it's really more about category creation and why does it make sense to have a procurement platform in place that takes care of your of your software solutions. Yeah. And we know that you're not a big fan of the um, Axelrod style culture, but from the real world of business, who's really inspired you and your approach to business? A very vivid memory that I had. I was like on vacation maybe oh, 12 years ago or something. And I read two books at the same time. And one was Richard Branson and the other one was Donald Trump, um, both on their business philosophies. And uh, as you can imagine, they were quite uh-huh. different, um, yeah, rule, uh, uh, basically different thoughts in there. So I'd, I'd see ourselves more on the, on the creative uh, Richard Branson side of things and basically just trying out new stuff and being, yeah, having fun while you do it. I think that's probably more while still making smart choices. I think that's kind of like more what reflects on, on how we work. And the fun side of things, I mean, I'm intrigued by that. You did talk earlier on about all the virtual things you're doing as a team, virtual chess, et cetera, um, and this this get-together in Lisbon. But on a kind of ongoing basis, how are you making sure that everybody, including you yourself, uh, with the burden of scaling the entire business and the investors breathing down your neck, how are you ensuring that every day, or at least every week, is fun as well as strong in terms of the business metrics? Yeah, I think the, the fun part, obviously, there's, as in any, any startup, there's ups and downs, and it's a huge roller coaster ride. What really helps us a lot is this checkout session on Friday, where the whole company comes together, and then we do basically two things. One is, who was your shooting star for the week? So which colleague would you really like to thank for, for some achievement in the week? And then just share weekend plans. Sometimes we even stay a bit longer and have a Friday beer afterwards, uh, a virtual one, obviously. So that's kind of like the moment where also everybody's like getting ready for yeah, shutting off from work on the weekend and really um, enjoying uh, yourself and also looking back on the weekend and finding memorable moments. I think that's kind of like what, yeah, what, what really helps there. Other than that, I think it's a lot about yeah, basically enjoying the ride in a sense and also the, the downward slopes there. Great. Well, it's lovely to hear that you're not just um, talking the talk, but actually walking the talk. Hyperscale with a lot of fun at the same time sounds like uh, my kind of company. So uh, wish you and the whole team at Sastrify some stellar growth over the next few years. Thank you, Gary. We can definitely use that. This episode of the Startup to Scale Up Game Plan was brought to you by Alpina Search. Head over to www.alpinasearch.com for advice on scaling your technology startup and recruiting high-impact senior talent.